Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I was talking with a friend of mine recently about um, about the beach and how I get annoyed at the beach now because I don't like uh, the beach is cool. But I mean, I grew up on the beach. I live a mile down the road from the beach. I go to the beach. with My kids, you know, we take them all the time. But the reason I don't like the beach is because every time I get down there, I have to pee. And I'm not big on going in the ocean anymore. Like when I was growing up and all that, when I was younger, I like swimming out there. But now I'm just like, man, I don't feel like getting in that shit. And I don't feel, honestly, I don't feel like getting stung by jellyfish because when you get stung by jellyfish, then you got to piss on yourself because that's the only way to get the jellyfish sting out is to pee on yourself or have somebody else pee on you. And that's never been like my thing. Like I'm not into the pee. So anyway, I just, I kind of like to watch my kids and um, down at the beach. But he was telling me, <laughs> he told me, he's like, dude, he's like, um, I've had to shit on the beach before. And there were no restrooms, so I just shit on the beach. And I'm sorry, this is nasty, y'all, but this is this is real life stuff. Um, and I said, hold up, what what do you mean you shit on the beach? He goes, man, I dug a hole, and there were people everywhere, and I put a big old beach towel over me, like I was just kind of like squatting down to get out of the sun and a poop, and it covered it up. And he said, and he's also been out into the beach, and he shit in the water multiple times. And I was like. God damn, that's nasty. And that made me think all the times of me growing up and all, I mean, I've spent years of my life, hours of my life in the ocean packed with people. I know he's not the only one who has done that. Now, everybody swam through a puddle of piss. That ain't no big deal. But when you're sitting there dodging Snickers bars in the ocean, or you think you think a fish just rolled up on your back and it's a big old dookie. Like, that's a problem. That's why I don't... Man, the beach is just nasty. It just... I don't know what, what got me into the beach. But anyway... I come home the other day. And there, there's the big-ass pool party going on at my house. There's all these kids over here. There's all these parents. I was out at the farm. I came back early because there's a pizza party and I heard pizza party shit and I'm out there at the farm by myself and I was like, well, I can eat this sandwich or I can go home and have a pizza party. Ain't nothing but a pizza party. So if y'all get that Tupac reference. Um, so I come home, I'm ready for my pizza party and I walk in the house. Now everybody, so I thought was out back and I'm putting my bags away. I'm kicking my shoes off. I look out of the, uh, 
out of the, the it has plantation shutters like those the, the ones that like fold up and down not the ones on the string but it, whatever but so i'm looking through the plantation shutters at this massive crowd in my backyard and i'm sitting here thinking to myself man fuck do i really want to go out there and be around all this screaming and all of this um conversation that i know i don't fit into and the answer was no fuck no i don't want to but i talk about this constantly we have to do things that make us uncomfortable you have to go be uncomfortable or you'll just recluse so i put on my smile and i was getting ready to walk outside and i hear something in my house and so i listen again and i hear something shutting and i swear i was the only person in the house And so I walk into the living room and I'm standing there and I'm watching this, this little girl from our neighborhood go through some of our, um, through our belongings in our living room. Like we have some drawers in there and I'm just watching and I asked her, I said, she didn't know I could see her. And I said, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, I'm just looking, looking around. And I said, well, what are you looking for? And she's on nothing. Just seeing what you guys had in these drawers. And I know kids are just being kids at that point. They're just being like nosy and shit. But that's unacceptable. I don't. I know for a fact my kids would never go in somebody's house and just go through their shit. Because you know why? I teach them. I teach them about privacy. What if. um, What if there would have been dildos in there? You know, like what? What if. There was something like that. Not there wasn't, but I'm just what you know what I'm saying. What if y'all? What if you're the kind of family that you hide your dildos in plain sight? You know, because that's the least suspicious place to put it. Is right there under the nose of your guests. You you see, and then you would be the asshole for your dildos getting found, and then fucking neighbors are getting mad. They're like, "Well, I don't understand why you hiding dildos in the living room." Like you know, because then they wouldn't have taken responsibility for their kid looking through your stuff, but. Seriously, these things, you got to ask yourself this stuff. Um, I don't think it's acceptable for anybody to be going through anything in anybody's house. And that, that, that I actually thought about that. I was like, man, if that would have been an adult, that would have set me off. Because you know they're snoopy-ass adults. That are, let me, I'm going to tell you all right now. Did I ever tell you all the story about my mom finding a bag of dildos in my closet when I was, um, shit, how old was I? I think I was 19. I was in the Marines. But I still had my room at their house. And I think I've told this story, so I'm not going to get into it. But that's the time my mom thought I was gay because um, the girl that I was dating at the time had she 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 liked she liked her her dildos, man. I'm not going to lie. And I was out of town a lot. So she, you know, whatever. That's her thing. But her mama was very snoopy. So she hid her dildos in my closet and my mama found them. And my mama thought, oh, shit, these are Travis's dildos and and and. And he's in the closet and he hadn't told anybody. And so my mama started crying because she thought I was living this big lie. And my sister was crying, laughing, apparently, when my mama came to her. And I think I've told you all this story before, but it's fucking hilarious. And my mama went to my sister and was like, I think your brother, he, he he's gay. And, you know, we're going to love him no matter what. And my fucking sister's crying, laughing. And she's like, Mama, I promise you, Travis, is, is the furthest thing from gay. And those are, I can't say her name, but those are so-and-so's dildos. And there may have been some other stuff in there, but anyway, I'm not, 
getting into that story. But what I'm getting at is, can you imagine walking in your house and seeing an adult going through your stuff? Like that, that would set me off. There's only one acceptable place in, in your house for anybody to be going through anything. And that's in your kitchen. If you ain't looking for cups and silverware, you got no business going through my drawers, my drawers. See, I call underwear drawers and drawers are drawers. So you can't get those mixed up. Like you don't want to tell somebody like, look, you got no business going through my drawers when actually that's never mind. That's confusing. I pulled a, uh, I pulled a dick move today and I did it because I did it to Walmart. I, I pulled a dick move at Walmart because Walmart pulled a dick move on me and they always pull a dick move on me and I'm tired of getting dick moves pulled on me by Walmart. So I paid them back a little bit today. I'm going to tell you a story um, about what happened. See, what had happened was I left the gym and I had to mail out a bunch of packages and um, periodically I'll send out signed copies of my books and um, some t-shirts that I sell after my events, my no one gets left behind black t-shirts. This has been a staple of mine for, for a decade now. And I had these massive orders I had to go out, but I was short one fucking package. And so I had to go to Walmart and re-up on my, my packages. So I went and got my bubble mailers. I park in the lawn and garden section because if you know me, Travis Howes, and anybody that goes through PTSD, we don't like or post-traumatic stress, whatever you want to call it. We don't like being around a lot of people. So I try to go through the um, the least crowded part of the store. I like to park on the least sided part of the uh, parking lot. And I was fully intending on getting my package and walking out of the garden center, paying at the garden center and leaving. Okay. Well, I'll go get my package. I actually got a bunch of them. And then I was, um, I was walking out. I get to the garden center and there's a guy saying in there, he says, sir, the cash, the cash registers are closed at the garden center. You got to go to the front of the store. And I was like, motherfucker. So now, not only do I go to the front of the store, now I got to go check out at the front of the store. Then I got to walk my ass all the way back down to the where I parked at the garden center. Whatever. Looks like I'm getting my steps in today. Um, I go to check out. And I know every one of you knows there's only one fucking register open in this entire massive building that is absolutely packed. Tourist season is here. The store is packed. One goddamn register open. But every single self-checkout lane is wide open. Now, if you don't think computers are replacing people, go to Walmart. Go to these places that are doing away with human bodies, right? I, one thing I hate is I'm such a caveman and I'm so old school. I don't like self-checkout. One, because every time I go to it, I fuck it up. If I got to punch in any kind of code or, or scan more than one thing, it always messes up. Two, I'm not a highly trained cashier. I did not go to school for cashiering. I have zero cashier experience. I don't know what I'm doing. And three, I don't fucking work there. I don't come to shop there and to do the work. Like, that's what you pay people for. Like, you have people that you employ to do a certain job. I don't want to come here and do their job. I'm not trying to replace anybody. I just want to come here, make shopping easy. So anyway, I'm standing in this long one, one line that's long as shit. And I look at the scan and go, and there's actually a Walmart employee working over there. And I said, you know what? He's going to ring me up. Fuck this. So I'll walk over to my scan and go, here's my dick move. You guys ready? I looked at him. I had all these packages. He said, can I help you, sir? I said, yes, sir. I said, um, I can't read. Could you help me um, check out, please? And he said, do what? 
I see a sir. I, I don't know how to read. And I was like, I, w- I would, I don't, so I don't know how to operate this machine, but that line is too long. And that's why I don't use these machines is because, because I was, you know, I have a South Carolina education and it didn't do me too well. And he just looked at me like, oh shit. And you could tell he felt sorry for me. And maybe I, you know what, whatever. So he goes, well, how many do you have? And I think he was testing me. And I said, sir, I, I don't know. I, I told you I can't read. I don't, I don't know numbers or either. And so he counted them up. He's like, okay, you have 10. Let's ring them up. So he rang me up. I stood there proud. I got my own personal cashier. And I was happy as shit. And he stood there as I put my credit card in. And I looked at him. I go, I know what the red button is. And I, and I said, I know that that means that um, I don't want any cash. He goes, no, that's right. And so I clicked it. And we were all proud together. And so I didn't want any cash back. I hit the red button. That shit went right to credit. Fucking got my receipt. Rolled out, baby. I'm going to start doing that every time. Every single time I'm going to walk to Walmart or go to Walmart or one of these big stores. And I'm just going to take my entire buggy. And I'm going to look at person right in the eye and tell them I don't know how to read. Can you please ring me up? And you tell me that's not a genius way to get in front of all the line of bullshit. Think about it. How can they tell you no? That was my dick move. So as I'm recording this today is actually Monday, um, this, this Monday, June the 14th, but this episode won't come out until the following Monday. Um, I'm recording this episode. This is, um, this Friday will be, uh, the 14th anniversary of the fire in Charleston that killed my nine friends, um, that many of you that listen to this podcast are aware of. And it's always, it's always a hard week, um, you know, I, there's not a day that goes by. I don't really think about that, that event. That's actually, I know there's not a day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my friends. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't see them in the manner that I saw them that night. But I don't have a choice. I don't get to forget that. I don't get to um, bury that in the back of my mind. It's something that's always with me. It's something that's always going to be with me. And I've had to learn how to thrive with that um, regardless. And that's why this episode is called Honoring Our Fallen. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to know somebody that was killed in the line of duty um, in emergency services. You know, this could be a loved one that you lost that was very special to you too. Um, I think it's very important that we honor those that mean so much to us and that we don't, I guess that we don't mourn the rest of our lives because of the loss. And I think it's natural to mourn and to get caught into the victim mentality and to be sad and to constantly dwell on the negative And the fact that you lost that person, look, there's going to be more loss to come. And I talk about this extensively in my book, Create Your Own Light. I talk about loss is always going to be ahead of you. You're always going to be losing something. And it's okay to mourn. It's okay to be upset. But what I feel personally is it's not okay to let that ruin or control your life. I'm not saying we have an obligation. But I come... I look at it from the point of view of I'd rather honor the fallen or the lost loved ones than I would 
mourn them for the rest of my life. Because I think honoring these people is what keeps them alive. You know, there's that old, there's another old saying out there that it's something like a hero never dies as long as a hero only dies once they're forgotten. And, and that's true. Um, I know people that mourn nonstop. They, they, they mourn for years and they never get over it. Uh, I know people that I'm one of them. I got, I got caught into drinking really badly after, after this event, I went through countless traumatic events. I mean, too many to even name many that I've forgotten. Um, but this one is the one that always is always with me. And I got real bad on the bottle for a long time. And I realized, you know, that night I did a post on my Instagram account the other day, uh, yesterday, actually. And it's, it was really creepy because I start my book out. The, the first page of my book is talking about being on my knees next to my friends, my best friend's burned lifeless body. And I started that book out because of the way I remember that moment made me feel from that moment on June 18th, 2007 until right now. And until the day that I die, probably it was, it was, it was the most hard hitting, impactful, emotional, sorrowful moment of my life up until this point. And so I wanted to start my book out with that. And after my book was released and published, I got an email from somebody and in that email contained a picture of me on my knees next to my friend's body with a couple of other firemen. And I never knew that picture existed. And when I, when I opened that email and I saw that picture, I just sat back in my chair and wanted to fucking cry. It made me relive exactly what I've been reliving, but it was just a very vivid reminder of exactly where I was that night and what we were experiencing. And there were several other very haunting pictures in there as well. And I keep those tucked away. Periodically, I'll look at them from time to time. And I remember being on my knees that night next to my friend. And I remember thinking to myself, I cannot let this destroy my life. It was that powerful. I knew that it had the potential to destroy my life. And it almost did multiple times. There were plenty of times where I didn't want to live anymore. There were plenty of times where um, I had suicidal thoughts and actions. There were times where I thought my presence is ruining my family. And the only way to help my family is to leave this world. That's how hard it got for me. Um, even making myself that promise many years ago, I still wanted to check out because this, this weight that we carry, it's an unexplainable weight. Once it's on your shoulders, it's not a visible wound. If I, if I didn't have legs, people could look at me and say, Oh, well, he's the way he is. Look at him. He can't fucking walk. He doesn't have legs. No wonder he's so upset. No wonder, um, when he sees people walking in the mall, it affects him, you know, cause he can't fucking do it, but nobody can see inside of my mind. They don't see when they're all happy around this pool or at, at a, at a gathering and everybody's happy and laughing. And I'm sitting there like 
not one of them. They think you're an asshole, but it's not because my injuries are fucking invisible. You can't see that I'm completely fucked up, rewired, and everybody around here is affecting me with their loud, obnoxious, drunk fucking banter. Uh, their cannonballs into the pool. You know, I'm sitting here watching kids flip off of the concrete, and I'm just waiting for that that moment that one of them flips and busts their fucking head on the side of the concrete, and their brains are in the pool now, and and I'm sitting back like, I fucking told you, motherfucker, so y'all live in your goddamn bubbles and don't think this shit can happen when I've lived it. But these days I just keep my mouth shut when I'm in those environments, and I just sit back and I just observe. Um, but that's the difference. And what I realized over the years is I didn't know how I was going to honor my brothers. I didn't know exactly where my life would go, what I would do. But I did promise that no matter what, I would always honor them and do right by them, do the best that I could by them. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Am I perfect? Fuck. No, I'm so far from it, but I try and I try every single day. I get up and I try to live my best life. And whether that be going to my farm for a day or that mean taking a phone call from somebody who needs some help or that means getting up on a stage, sharing my experiences, my very uncomfortable experiences so someone else can keep a fucking gun out of their mouth or a rope off of their neck, I'll do it. So that's why I do what I do. And I'm proud to I'm proud to do that now. And I know what I'm doing is impacting some folks. And I know it's making a difference. Do I think it'll save everybody? No. Um, do I think it has definitely saved some people? Yes. I know exactly. I wouldn't say how many, but I know that it has because I see the fruits of it um, in, in emails and texts and calls. I get it. I think it's very important that we we learn from our losses and that we continue to, to live a, a life well-lived. You know, you always hear that, well, so-and-so wouldn't want you to live like this. And, and that's true. Nobody wants anybody they care about to be fucking miserable. We deserve a great life. You deserve happiness and you deserve peace. And you got to be able to understand that You can't undo the past. You can't undo things that have already happened. The only thing you can do is make the best of what you have. And I try to encourage people who have experienced these horrible things. You know, sometimes just a simple breakup fucks people up. I've seen breakups destroy human beings. I've seen a breakup destroy human beings to where they they can't trust anybody else in their entire life ever again. Because they felt so wronged. But... The thing is, yeah, that happened, but you've got to press on. And if you're just going to be jaded and be in mourning for the rest of your life, you're already dead. You are already fucking dead. This Friday night is our, um, by the time you hear this, this event will have happened. But so they do, they do a big ceremony down at the site where the fire was on Savannah Highway on Charleston's west side. And I never go to it. Um, it's it's hard for me to tell you why, but I'm going to. Um, I have a lot of mixed emotions. And I also know as a man now, 
I know what's healthy for me and I know what's not healthy for me. And if something is unhealthy for me, stay away from it. Where the old me had had all this pride, I talk about pride. You know, I, I was too prideful. I'll still go do it if I knew it hurt me because I'm a tough guy. And I'm not that guy anymore. I don't pretend to be that guy anymore. This is why I don't go down there. Um, one, I know what crowds do to me. I know how it makes me feel. And every year, that event is packed with a lot of a lot of people. And there's a lot of really good people down there. So what I'm about to say, don't misconstrue this. But then there's also a select bunch of people. Anytime there's a, a tragedy, especially a, um, a, a notable tragedy, you're always going to have people that were not involved with it or were very min- had very minimal involvement with it who consistently attach themselves to that to make them feel good. Okay. It's to, um, Hey, look, I, I was there, man. I was, you know, it was that kind of, I was there, man thing. Well, I will specifically remember, I'll see pictures from this, these events. I see them every year and I see people in those photos who weren't even there that night. I see people that were standing on sidewalks that night who didn't even lend a hand. Granted, everybody's differently. I don't expect everybody to be jumping into the inferno, um, dragging dragging the bodies out and all that. And they're they're honoring um, they're honoring our guys the best way that they can. And I do appreciate that. But I don't. What I don't like about it is a lot of the um, the backdoor brotherhood fake bullshit. And I don't I don't like that shit. I don't like the whole. Hey, we haven't. We haven't checked up on anybody in a fucking year, two years, three years, five years, ten fucking years. But all of a sudden, we're going to show up and start hugging and telling everybody how, how we love them kind of thing. You see in the emergency services, there's a, I talk about brotherhood. And you either mean it or you fucking don't. And it's a sad, sad thing where when you leave that occupation... Many times you're forgotten. Many times nobody ever calls to check on you. Many a times you're not welcome to the events anymore. And that's just how it is. You can't take it personally. But a lot of times, and that's why I tell people, when you get ready to retire out of this profession, you better be ready for it because you're not going to have it anymore. That thing that you had for 20 or 30 years is going to be gone. And you're not going to know what to do with yourself. Your phone stops ringing. I think this goes back to the mental wellness episode that we talked about. I talk about crabs in a bucket and I talk about how when you put crabs in a bucket, one crab tries to get out. The other crabs reach up and pull them back down. And that's no secret that our culture can be that way. And I certainly experienced that in my time. Um, I do what I do now. And, uh, I, you know, I always say like, I don't really give a fuck what people think because I don't, but I'm not good at looking fakeness in the eye and being fake back. I know I know fake people. I know the ones who uh, who who run their mouth about things that I do, what I do for a living, how they don't they don't support it, and that's fine. But when I but when you see me and I'm around you, don't I don't play that buddy buddy shit. That's the difference with me. With with me, you know you know exactly who the fuck I am and what you got. 
I'm never going to look you in the eye and pretend to be your friend if you're a fake motherfucker. I just won't do that. Um, and that is why I stay away from that event. I pay my respects at different times. Um, I don't go to that site often because of the overwhelming emotion that it brings. It's um, it's crazy. I can't even put it into words. But I'm going to go Friday morning when it's peaceful. Because that day that day's always tough. And uh, <clears throat> if I hope that I hope that all made sense. This is um, I don't think about this stuff when I talk about it. There's a lot of emotion going on right now. Um, but I needed to I needed to talk about that. How do you guys handle fake people? Um, I think that's a, that's kind of an important thing. Do you do you let people know where you stand, or do you give it back to them the whole hey? I'll just, if you're being nice, I'll be nice. Let's just do the cordial thing. Do you do that? Because I'm, maybe that's, that's something I need to work on because it's not, I'm not, I don't enjoy confrontation. I actually fucking hate it. I'm just a person that I've never been able to put on that smile when I know you're not supportive. I don't, I don't expect everybody to like jump on the, the Travis house bandwagon. That's not what I'm saying, but there's people that will be your friend in public and then your enemy when you're not around. And that those are that essentially that's that's what I'm trying to convey. And I'm I'm just not good at playing that game. But that's I guess that's why I could never be a politician. But that that's kind of what I'm getting at. Do you guys are you good at playing that game? Are you good at being the politician and making nice when you have to make nice? Or are you the kind where you know how someone truly feels about you. So you let that be known and Hey, at least you know who I am. I know who you are and we know what this is. I don't know if there's any message behind that. I was just curious. Speaking of messages, um, I got a message last night from a, from a spouse. I get, I get these pretty regularly and I got to figure something out because apparently there's not a lot of resources out there for spouses when it comes to, understanding post-traumatic stress, depression, anxiety in, in somebody you love. I guess there's a lot of, uh, a lot of books out there that other people have written or, you know, medical professionals or whatnot that, that try to explain it, but they make it so fucking complicated. And there's just, there's so much research that it's just, just confusing or it doesn't make sense for whatever re- reason. Excuse me. Sam, I feel like I'm going to throw up on this thing. Um, and I don't know why I've had so much um, attention from spouses from this, but I think it's just possibly based off of the transparency that I try to pro- provide. And I'm glad. And I'm glad. I'm glad people are reaching out. But it 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 hurts my heart to know that these spouses don't know where to turn. You know what they'll do is they'll Google. My husband or my wife has PTSD. How can I support? Or post-traumatic stress. I always get corrected on that. How can I support? And Google doesn't have the answers for you. This is something, unfortunately, that you have to experience. And you have to live. And you have to learn your spouse's quirks. You have to learn their behaviors. You have to learn their triggers. 
You have to learn everything that makes them tick and set them sets them off. And unfortunately, that comes with a price. It comes with a price that you pay over the course of your relationship that's going to create a lot of misery for you. And I think every every person in every situation is different. I have been no Prince Charming. I make no hints that I've even been remotely close to Prince Charming. I hate that a spouse has to feel like they're on eggshells. I got a message from a from a police officer this morning. And this police officer told me that their spouse pretty much is a ticking time bomb. And that their spouse has they, they have new children and their spouse cannot handle the screaming kids. And this this person that messaged me just got turned on to my first episode of my podcast, and that's parenting with post-traumatic stress, where I talk about one of my major triggers when I had when my kids were young was screaming children. And this police officer told me that their spouse will walk out of the room often and it could be in the middle of the night. And just leave the house and say, I can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And that leaves the spouse thinking, what have I done wrong? And it's like, it goes back to the invisible injury with the no legs, right? You could see that somebody doesn't have legs and they can't walk. You can't see that bomb that just went off in somebody's mind and what it made them relive and the evil fucking thoughts that come along with that. You can't see that. So the best way for them in that situation to remain healthy is to walk out. And anyway, this police officer asked me about, you know, I don't, I don't like giving people's identities away, but saw that I'm going to be at a particular event and then asked if it was open to law enforcement too. Of course they, they usually nine times out of 10, all these events are open to the emergency services. Um, so I'm excited to say that this married couple will both be at the event and I cannot wait to speak to both of them and meet them in person because I get them 100%. This is a tough, tough, tough thing. Look, relationships are hard enough, but when you're in a relationship with somebody that you, you cannot understand what they've been through and they cannot communicate that look, I get to sit here at a desk in a controlled environment and try to convey to you what this is like. And I still have a hard time doing that. You can't come up with the perfect metaphor that's going to make it sink in. I can't say, hey, this is why I'm this way. And then all of a sudden, everybody magically understands. You have to experience this. You have to live it. You have to get slapped in the fucking mouth with this shit. And you have to keep getting up and trying to figure out why. Why does this keep happening? What is wrong with this person? Going to counseling is one thing. That will help, hopefully, help your spouse learn how, learn the art of communication. Learn how to start the process of verbally telling you what they're feeling, how they're feeling. But each case is completely different. I urge spouses to not take things so personally when something goes on with their loved one. You may do something. Man, there's times, there's been times, I mean, it's stupid shit. And this, 
All right, this is a female police officer. I guess it's too hard for me to try to code everything. She told me that um, he gave, from his PTSD, he gave her symptoms of it. And that's that secondary post-traumatic stress I was telling you about where you can give your symptoms of what you're going through to your spouses or loved ones. And then when you're in that position, you have to take a step back and think, this is not right. They do not deserve this. And I promise you, I have done that. It's hard for me to say that. I have given my shit to other people. And they did not deserve it. And that's a hard fucking pill to swallow. But you have to be honest with yourself if you're ever going to get better. There's no way around that. If you come up with an excuse, that's the coward thing to do. You have to own that shit. You have to accept it. And then you got to figure out how to work on it. And that was hard for me to do. I think the biggest regret I have in life is that. I don't have many regrets. I I really don't have any except that. Knowing that I gave my problems to the people that I care the most about. That's fucking tough. And it's real. I got a message the other day about some Vietnam. Um, I get I get these messages all the time about some Vietnam vet who had uh, his daughter tied up in a in a um, tied up in a house or some shit, and he would beat her, and everybody knew he was crazy. And this message, I get so many of these messages, it's hard for me to remember exactly verbatim, but. Everybody was waiting for him to kill himself and or the entire fucking neighborhood. And that's just, that's sad to me because whoever that was, everybody viewed him as a monster. But he probably wasn't. He probably was so damaged by what he had experienced. Nobody could understand that. And back then you couldn't get help. And what did that cause him to do? Think about this. That caused him... To affect his daughter's life. And she probably grew up and put her her problems onto somebody else's. And we end up passing this shit down generation to generation to generation. It can either start with you or end with you. You may have, you may have had that shit happen in your life. Look, my great-grandfather went to fucking prison and got killed in prison. My granddaddy was violent towards his whole family. Not because he was a bad man, because he was fucked up from World War II. And the things that he saw, and he couldn't get help. And the only way he knew how to deal with that was to to get drunk and let his emotions take control. And he passed that on to my dad. But you know what my dad did? My dad stopped it. And he didn't use that as as an excuse. He didn't use that as an excuse of what he went through. To turn it on to his son. Did I get my ass beat when I was young? You're fucking ain't right I did. Did I get abused? Fuck no, not even close. And that's what I'm talking about. At some point, you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And take a stand against whatever has happened in your life. And own it. And accept it. And fucking crush it. Because what other choice do you have? Let it control you? And let it ruin everything around you? And then when you're dead and gone, three generations from now, people are fucked up all because of your bullshit. Think about that. 
That's some deep shit. I'm going to close out this episode with some pretty exciting news. Now, if you follow my Instagram or my Facebook, um, I'm, I'm 10 times more active on Facebook, um, excuse me, Instagram, not, not Facebook. I don't really, whatever. Anyway, so I'm working on my second book. So create your own light. My first book did, I, I can't tell you how well this book did for me. Like, I'm not pretending like this is the best written book ever because it's not. It certainly it has its flaws. But for a guy who finished 198th in his class of 200 in high school, I'm fucking proud that not only did I write a book, it it got the traction that it did. Because I've said this in past episodes, I never wrote this to try to put it out there. Um. So it could gain legs. I really just wrote it for me. And then I, you know, I did put it out there, but I wasn't expecting it to do what it's done. I talk about the overwhelming support because I, I'm, I'm beyond fucking grateful and thankful and I will be for the rest of my life. The book did so well that it encouraged me to do another one. And the, um, the feedback that I received. And so I started thinking, I was like, all right, what do I want to do this second book on? What, what would get people excited? And I thought about, I was like, man, I don't want to talk about any more dark shit. I I just don't like I, I, that book, create your own light was very dark. Um, so I started thinking I want to do a children's book. I could do a book about being a dad and this and that. And you know what happened? I was actually recording a podcast episode that I feel bad for telling you guys this, but you're never going to hear it. And this is why I recorded a 45 minute episode two weeks ago and I wanted to mix it up a little bit. And I go, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to tell fucking stories. And that's all I'm going to do for 45 minutes is I'm going to tell stories from my life. Funny ones, not dark ones, just funny, just off the wall shit. And I was laughing so hard when I was telling some of these stories, like in this, there, there's stories in there about when I uh, was in Thailand, how I was riding on the back of the scooter with a transvestite. Okay. And I can't tell you how I figured out it was a tranny, but I can tell you I had to get off the scooter and it was just a fucking, it was awkward. Okay. Um, and then the next minute I'm talking about something completely different. And some of these stories may be gut-wrenching funny to you or like gut-busting funny. And then some may just kind of be like, eh, that was all right. But I think it, when I told it, it was the change in pace that interested me. It was one extreme to the next. And I sat back and I thought, this is my next book. This is my fucking book. This is going to be an audio book. And it's just going to be several hours of just nonstop shit-talking and stories. Because I realize I've had a very interesting life and I think that we need some humor. And for those people that support me and want to hear about some of this crazy, goofy shit and fun stuff, I think that you'd enjoy it. So what I'm doing is I'm putting this book together. I can't tell you the name of it because it's, I still got to go through all the copyright and all that shit. But, um, what I'm going to do is I'm doing it completely backwards. Normally when you write a book, you write the book, you get it edited after the editing phase and all that, then you do the audio version. Well, this thing's going to be all fucked up. 
because that's who I am. I'm going to record the audio and I'm going to write the audio exactly like it sounds. I'm going to write the, the uh, excuse me, I'm going to write the script exactly, the manuscript exactly like it sounds. So if I say, um, uh, dang, shit, fuck, and I pause, that's exactly what it's going to look like on paper. So I think the audio version is going to be where the juice is. And you're going to read the paper paper version and be like, ah, yeah, this is good, but whatever. But hearing the stories, I think it's going to be great. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be unedited, unscripted, first take. That's that's how I roll. Just like this podcast. We ain't doing, if I say something that doesn't sound right, I, I just don't, I don't give a fuck. That's how it comes out. And that's what we're going with. So I'm excited. Tell me your feedback. Would you be interested in that audiobook when it comes out? And or the paperback version, whatever. Um other than that, I got, you know, um by the time you hear this guys, I'll be getting ready to board a plane next week to uh go to Wananta, New York, outside of Albany. I think I'm saying that right. Wananta. I can't get it right. Um I'm going up there to work with both fire and police to do a course on mental wellness, leadership, and resiliency. And they've had a few things um, bust loose within the last few years that have affected some of their responders. And I couldn't be more proud to go up there and, and sit with them and talk with them and hopefully um, get them some of the help and the resources that we can get them to keep them healthy. Uh, when I get back from there, we got South Bend, Indiana. Same thing. Going to talk to the fire department there, police department there. And then uh, two days after that, I'm going to be performing at the fire conference in Indianapolis, Indiana, doing a comedy event. And then it's back home and um, gearing up for Baltimore and all that shit. So going to be going to be a good couple of months coming up. Uh, as always, thank you all for the support. I hope you found something in this episode that uh, that resonates and that you can find useful. I really appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next one.